Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. I will Greg Tyler is taking a little break. Uh, I really hope that his house is not part of those exploding houses in Massachusetts right now. Uh, but I am here with Ryan. <laughs> that is slightly uh, concerning because we texted him and we haven't heard anything back. Yeah, a uh, gas main or something exploded and there are like 30 houses on fire in Massachusetts. They did evacuate like three cities. I mean, he didn't say what was going on. He just said he couldn't do it all of a sudden when he was fully on board. So, hmm. Should probably text him here in a little bit. Anyways. So tonight we're going to do a little bit of talking. A lot of big news, which is why we did this podcast so quickly. Uh, A lot of big news has come out in the last few days uh, regarding a couple key players. And we've got a little bit of news on a possible management switch up. A prospect tournament happened, and then we have a mailbag. So we got a pretty big night tonight. We hope Tyler is okay, safe in his non-exploded home. God. And uh, we're going to get started. So uh, the big signing recently was uh, Tyler Sagan got his deal. Ryan, do you have the, the actual amount pulled up? I know it was an eight-year deal. So Sagan got an eight-year, $9.5 million deal. I think the first year of it, he's making like thirteen point five. So he will be, I think, the third highest paid player next year behind McDavid. And uh, there's another one that's really, oh, Tavares. So Tavares and McDavid will be making more money than him next year, but it makes him the third highest player, uh, highest paid player in the league next season. So he's off the board. He was going to be one of the big free agent names coming up. Ryan, what do you think of the deal? (sighs) I mean, for the type of impact player he's become, it's it makes sense. I think overall it could be a little bit high in regards to the price, but at the same time, there's not many guys like him that could come in and single-handedly take over a game. And then with who he's got with them, like Jamie Benn, the way their combination has been, they are the heart and soul of that team. I'm also happily say that I'm glad Larkin wasn't dropped that type of money, but um, no, it's uh, that's a bit of a stretch. I don't have his year over year stuff pulled up. Oh, wait, yes, I do. I take that back. I mean, he's averaging roughly 70 points a season, so you get a guy going over 70, that's that's pretty good money typically. But uh, I think it could have been a probably closer to seven and a half, and I think it would have made perfect sense seven and a half to eight. He hasn't, he hasn't surpassed 80 points since the 13 season. And that was when he first came to Dallas. So it's, is it worth it? Absolutely. If you got the room to do it and can build it, your team around it, especially because he's just a, a, an elite player in the league right now. So it's, you can't fight it. And he's only 26 yeah, years you old. Have, so. Yeah. You have to lock up the stars of your team. They weren't going to let him walk. I mean, him and Jamie Ben. that's without him, I mean, yeah, Jamie Ben by himself is is good, but who are you going to put with him and who's going to make up for those points? Exactly. You're not going to find anyone else. So you lock up your stars, you do what it takes, and they were worried for a while that the deal wouldn't get done because he said there wasn't much conversation in mm-hmm. the offseason, and it seems like within the last week the deal materialized and he got everything working. I mean, to put it into perspective, I just pulled up the uh, Dallas Stars and Cap Friendly here. They've got him locked up. I mean, this year he's still making five five and three-quarter mil. They've got him, Radulov, and Ben all securely locked down through the 22 season. And those are your three yeah. heartbeat, like main heartbeats. And Ben's 29, Radulov's 32, 
Sagan 26. So you've got three guys, one at the end of their prime, one in the middle, one entering it, that are your foundations. And the money is really not awful what they've got put into them. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, they're going to have money to spend. They're not the the stars are not a super expensive team. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, your your top three Ben Radulov and and now Sagan, and it drops off quite a bit after that. Mm-hmm. So the other big news of the day was the <laughs> Ottawa Senators traded Eric Carlson to the San Jose Sharks. So the deal went down like this: uh, Carlson and Francis Perron. Uh, to the Sharks for a first-round pick in 2020, a second-round pick in 2019, Chris Tierney, Dylan DeMello, Josh Norris, and Rudolph's Balsers. So um, I'll answer everyone's question. Who? Yeah, I don't know who two of those people are. Tierney and DeMello, I believe, are roster players. Norris and Balsers are... I think they're calling them something like second string prospects. They're not top prospects. They're okay. Uh, when <laughs> Eugene Melnick, they I think they asked him about uh, either Balsers or Norris, why them? And his only reason was because one of them is uh, best friends oh, with Kachuk, with with, with Brady Kachuk. So. Uh-huh. I guess if you're best friends with a, a hockey player that you, you automatically become good. Good by osmosis. Yeah. So, uh, so there's also a couple uh, tentative draft picks conditionals in there. Uh, if the Sharks sign Carlson to an extension, the senators also receive a second round pick in 2021. Uh, and if he is flipped by, or if he is on an Eastern conference team by the end of the 2018, 19 season, the Sharks also have to give Ottawa another pick. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a no trade clause in the trade, I guess. A no trade to an Eastern team in the trade, which to me means that they know Carlson wants to be on a team in the Eastern Conference and doesn't necessarily want to go to San Jose. He just wants to get the hell out of Ottawa. Which is the most logical thing you could ever have, especially for anyone currently there. I feel I feel bad for all the prospects that got traded there, to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean their their cap hit's got to be like six million dollars now. Well, no, no, Bobby Ryan and an additional six million dollars. <laughs> but that was the big thing. People thought Bobby Ryan was going to have to be attached with that Carlson mm-hmm. deal for the because, longest time. Yeah, he's a. I mean, I don't, he's not a garbage player, but he's nowhere near worth his contract. No. So and he's still got four more years, including this season, at seven and a quarter. Yeah. So, so Carlson went. Bobby Ryan didn't go. I don't know who Francis Perron is, to be honest with you. He also went. The Sharks gave up quite a bit for a rental, who I don't believe is going to resign uh, with them. I think he can make, he can get that eighth year if he resigns with them as kind of a little bonus, mm-hmm. but I think he'd rather take seven and a lot of money and, and stay on the East coast. Uh, I, I know he doesn't want to play for a Canadian team. So, yeah, no, I, I think a lot of the players that we were hearing a lot about, uh, especially at the trade deadline last year, like Tampa Bay, for instance, are still going to be main contenders to get his services going into the season or into next season i should say but we'll see what uh our next topic is whether or not that actually has a giant influence on what he does or does not do uh, moving forward 
Yeah, I also think the Red Wings will put in a pretty large bid for Carlson. They'll probably have upwards of $25 million free next season as long as they don't make dumb decisions. I know right now they're looking at a guy. They're looking at a guy out of Russia that I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Uh, But watching his highlight reel, he looks really good. He will be free in 2019-2020 season. Mm-hmm. and he's 24 years old, but his highlights are spectacular. And if you don't have an, uh, another forward in the Bruner, pipeline. No, he – Bruner's highlights were good, but they weren't this good. And it was Bruner wasn't from Russia. He was Where was he from? No, he was, I think he was Swedish. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he okay. He, he, he wasn't that great. But this kid looks solid. He wants to make the jump over the NHL. Uh, and, and he's 24, and he's tied to us, the Blackhawks, and a few other teams, uh, the Knights, and someone else I can't remember. But interesting. That's what we're looking at as a possible Russia, Russian player, and we've got the in with Datsuk, so I think that would help us on any kind of negotiation. Well, that in 1920, if that's the year that he's coming through, there's a lot of contracts on the back end coming off, depending on what we do in free agency or going into it. So yep. that's uh, definitely yeah. a possibility. Absolutely. So we'll move on to the other big news from the, this this week. Kind of, it went from dead hockey to holy shit, stuff's happening. Yeah, you can tell training so, camps around the corner. Yeah. So two days before the Lightning training camp sets to open, Steve Eiserman announces that he is stepping down as general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning and moving back to the Metro Detroit area to quote unquote. Spend more time with his family. Yeah, Breeze Blah is one. It was one of their assistants. Will be taking over as GM, uh, and Steve Eiserman will take the advisor role to Breeze Blah. So he'll kind of be his boss and help him through. But he will be living in Michigan. He said that he was uh, doing a lot of travel between Michigan and Florida. It made it a little harder to do the GM job, and he loves to put all he has into his work. And felt like he couldn't do that. Just as a little background, his family never left Michigan. He has three daughters. I think a couple of them. Which really surprised me, to be honest. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I mean, they they raised their kids in this in in Michigan. Yeah. And they have a house in Gross Point, and they're I think a couple of his daughters, I believe, go to U of M. And when he moved to Tampa, he got that house in Tampa. They didn't want to go because why uproot your entire family? I mean, he's not playing there. He's the general manager. Mm-hmm. So, it. It's. It would be weird if he didn't end up with the Red Wings. I think a lot of it because he's under contract, he can't talk about anything. Uh, he could break the contract. Ken Holland alluded to making front office mo- being mm-hmm. open to any front office moves because yeah, he right lost a lot of yeah. a lot of people, a lot of upper office people. So he yeah. said he was open to anything. Now the way I kind of see it happening is if Jim Devilano who is 75 years old, retires. Say so he retires, moves on. Holland takes Devilano's job, and Steve becomes GM. That's how I look at it happening. Or Devilano retires, and Stevie becomes president of Hockey Ops for the Red Wings. Oh, uh, the, yeah. <laughs> so the other thing that I, I found interesting was there is some rumbling – online and on the radio that Tampa may have forced him out of the GM role. This is something that I was not aware of. Yeah. So what I was hearing was that 
Brisebois was going to take a position elsewhere. He had been interviewing for GM jobs and stuff, and they didn't want to lose him. So by making by saying, Stevie, we know you want to go home. We know you miss Detroit. You've gone there several times. He apparently has coffee with Devilano mm-hmm. and plays golf here and everything. We know you miss Detroit. We know there's going to be a job opening up for you. Listen, they only signed Holland for two years. We don't want to lose Brisebois. Would you mind like taking his advisory uh, as an advisor role to him when we make him the GM and they would give you a job in a heartbeat in Detroit? And I could see that happening, but I know Eiserman's a family guy, so I kind of take his word for it. Right. I mean, it's. To me, it almost seems you, too good to be true for how things have kind of come about in the last couple of days. Him coming back to Detroit area is absolutely fantastic. And the possibility of him taking over and finally fulfilling his duty and feel, taking over for Ken Holland, which we feel all feel is several years overdue, a.k.a. when he left the first time. But yeah. Just knowing what he can do, you know he's got the ability to scout. You know he's got the ability to build a team, make wise contracts. He's not afraid to make a trade to make the team better to try to win. So there's everything – his track record in Tampa speaks for itself. And you know damn well if he came here, that would – and Illich is going to see this too in the terms of revenue stream coming in. If they brought Eisman back, that's going to fill that house immediately. Yeah, so that was the one thing that I think was the sore spot is that Illich and Iserman, um, I don't think, get along very well. They haven't talked much. Chris Illich says he hasn't kept constant contact with him. Mm-hmm. He could be lying because they can't talk about anything because exactly. of contracts and the NHL contracts. But I, if Iserman is here and they kept asking him at the press conference, they said, hey, Past this year, are you still gonna be with Tampa? He goes, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna fill out my contract this year and past mm-hmm. this year, I don't know what's gonna happen. So is he gonna come? Will he most likely end up with the Red Wings? I think so. I, I think it would be hard for him not to because he will be here. He can have a job here, he just drives down to Detroit or works from home. It's great. So I think he ends up here uh and and Tampa fans are so salty right now. They are so – some of them are like, oh, my God, we love you. Thank you for all the help. The other ones are silently angry, like their face is turning red and they're screaming internally. That's a so bipolar fan base. It is. And it's because they're still – I mean, they're not a crazy old franchise. I mean, at least they've won a title. They're, they're competitive. They're, they're not like the Blue Jackets in any shape or form because – they just give you false hope every year, and then suck. But yeah, their their fan, Tampa fans have become unbearable in the last couple of years, mainly because they've absolutely destroyed us on the ice year over year since uh, yeah. what thirteen, pretty much. So it's that's, that has added to it. But at the same time, it's just just be quiet, just relax. <laughs> yeah. So the Iserman news was really big, and I I don't think there is any doubt that he will end up with. I mean, there's a little doubt, but I don't think it's it's enough to worry about it. But I believe we will end up back with the Red Wings. What makes me feel the best about it is just seeing some of the comments of guys that have been around the Wings, beat writers and whatnot, that know Iserman to an extent. And just their feeling is what makes me feel better because they believe it as well, that he will be back and that he's going to take the reins and just go. So, Yeah. 
so we'll glaze over this real quick. The prospect tournament did happen in Traverse City recently. The Wings did get uh, second place behind the Columbus Blue Jackets. They got blown out in that last game, 7-2. <laughs> yes, to uh, It was a very physical game. It seemed like everyone was trying to kill Zadina. The high points that I took away from the entire tournament are Dennis Schlowski is ready to go. Yep. My God, that kid. He's, He's skate. He can pass. He's big. He can score. He's very fleet of foot. He is a defenseman we need. I think he could make the lineup. If not, he'll be in Grand Rapids, and he'll be up uh, this season at some point. Yep. Uh, the other takeaways were Zadina looked very good at points, kind of disappeared at others. The kids got flashy hands. I think he only scored twice uh, yeah, during the whole tournament. He, well. he need to keep his head up. He They were trying to murder him yep. on the ice. But you can go look at it, um, just type in Columbus Zadina hit, mm-hmm. and you'll see what happened to him. Rasmussen scored a few goals. He's big out there. He sits in front of the net and does what he needs to do. He'll make the team no problem this season. Yep. And then uh, the surprise, Joe Valeno looked superb the entire tournament. Now, I still think he goes back to juniors, but, I I mean, he's a steal for where we pick. We give him 30th. He's a steal for where are you really surprised though, thinking about it with how Valeno performed and just how he's gonna how he's already got the talk going around his name already. And he was one of those people to get that exception. Yep. Only two or three other players have gotten. Which which is really uh, funny to touch on Valeno and not trying to go too deep into this one, but uh, I was my time hop feed showed me the article projecting Detroit's twenty twenty lineup. I don't know if you saw me repost this, but yep. they actually picked that. That was when at the start, before the start of last season, Valino was projected number three overall, and they had him going to Detroit. So, oh, long term, this could be this the true steal of the draft if all works out well. Well, that's funny because then Zadina was projected to go third overall, and he didn't. So, mm-hmm. essentially, if it works out, we got two people who should have been in the top three. Technically, yeah. So do you have any other takeaways from the, the tournament? Uh, the biggest thing I got to take away, and it's going to lead it into this weekend, is that Blaschel made up the point that Valino, Zadina, and Rasmussen are c- going to continue to play to, with each other coming into the training camp this weekend and tentatively, possibly, into an exhibition game. So it's w- what I like to hear is the, the way the praise the coach has given some of these guys that are expected to be at a high level of everyone that you pretty much just mentioned, particularly Chalowski and how he just controlled the ice and had big minutes in this tournament and just looked like he was a man among boys pretty much. So that's, it's it's, like we've said over and over, it's a very promising feeling going into this training camp. Yeah. Our prospects looked very good. And they were saying that we were expected to win the tournament just because of how stacked our team was versus Mm -hmm. others. So it was a good showing. They just I, they didn't have it that last game, but it was it was positive. I like what I saw. Yep. So we're gonna end uh, we're gonna end this week's episode with some mailbag. Now I had put out the the feelers for mailbag a while ago, and then I got sick and like lost my voice. <laughs> and then Iserman's announcement of him stepping down miraculously cured me. So we're gonna we got a few from Facebook, and I know we have a, a couple from Twitter. 
So we'll start with this one from Robert Love Music on Twitter. At Robert Love Music says, out of picks in rounds three through seven since 2013, which Red Wings prospects do you see finding a long-term career as an NHL player? Uh, so let's each pick one. We got we got to run through the mailbag. So let's each pick one player from the the three through seven rounds since 2013 that will have a long-term NHL career. Hmm. If I'm looking through here, so I'm starting back at 13. Those first two, 13 and 14, nobody stands out. 15, maybe not. Really, you have to almost get up. The most promising, I think, would be Vili Sayarvi. He was a third-round okay. pick, number 73 in 2015. I think for how things have been going for him the last couple of years. Actually, it's between for me, it's between him and Dominic Turgeon, who was 2014 in the third round. I think those are the two that have the best chance moving forward to cement themselves in a role-playing type, especially uh, Turgeon. He kind of be Luke Plundenning 2.0, if you will, uh, taking over third, fourth-line duties here in the next couple of years. So uh, to me, for what they've shown, how they're looking so far in Grand Rapids and how they've kind of worked their way through, and Turgeon's already got a little bit of uh, taste of NHL action, so – between those two, I'd say Turgeon has the, the best chance of really going long-term overall. Yeah, I see Turgeon as kind of like a Luke Glendening kind of four, mm-hmm. third, fourth-line grinder. Um, yeah. I would he, say uh, I would say Axel Holmstrom. Uh, okay. I think Axel Holmstrom was a third-rounder, uh, third no. or fourth. He was um, on uh, HockeyDB.com. He was a seventh-rounder in 2014 yeah yeah so axel holmstrom scored a couple goals in the prospect tournament and he looked really good out there uh so i think axel holmstrom is going to be a guy who again a late round pick that is going to have a a long-term nhl career because he's fast he's got hands he's had some injury issue but i think he's one of the ones that will that will have a pretty long career and i think the red wings would like to to keep him around if they could yeah, for sure. I think I think a wild card in all of this could be uh, David Pope for how he's kind of come out of nowhere and really started to make a name for himself the last year and a half. So that's and yeah. then uh, and then also we got Philip Larson, goaltender. That was a six rounder. So our, there's there's some names in there goalie. that really have yeah. There's some names the last couple of years, and then we got Petrazuli, who was a third round pick. Um, let's see, and then just going into this season, Regula Eliasson. So Kevin Maki. There's some guys that have potential, uh, but that's it's it. Like I said, the prospect pool for Detroit for once is deep and it's exciting. Yeah. So next question from Twitter is from at Adam Flett. If Sagan or Duchesne are available, do you take a run at them as a GM as a one-two punch with Larkin? So we know Sagan is not available anymore. Um, and like he said, too, we're lacking defense. He knows defense is an area we need. Mm-hmm. Do I take a run at Matt Duchesne? Uh, not unless we can get rid of a couple other, like a guy like, if we can get rid of both Nyquist and Helm, then I'd take a run at Duchesne. I, I don't want to, like I said, mortgage the future to get someone 
just to get someone. Duchesne, amazing player. Absolutely. He needs to take a cut to me. He, but he's good. He's really good. And would, yes. I, would I like to have him on the Detroit Red Wings? Absolutely. Who wouldn't? Mm-hmm. But I don't want to mortgage the future and not give kids spots just to sign someone to a, a huge contract. Yeah, exactly. Would Duchesne and Larkin be good, great together? Absolutely. It'd be beautiful. I mean, he's he's got he's had similar seasons to Larkin over the last several years. So you'd have two of those guys playing together, and they're going to make each other better. Granted, the biggest difference is that Duchesne is 27 currently, but if they got him for less than six million, which is what he's currently got in this final season, I would I would say yes. I, I would like to see a guy like him because. For one, he goes down the middle. Or yeah. play the wing. So there, there takes. Yeah. There's your one of your main needs. And with Zetterberg out of the picture, your number two is Franz Nielsen. He should be your number three, to be quite honest. So if if that he comes in, you've got a one two one a one b combo between him and Larkin. I'd be very okay with that. Yeah, I agree. I just don't want to if a if a stud defenseman comes up that's on the same pay scale and same level as Duchesne, I take the defenseman. I wouldn't get both. Yep. So we have a few questions from Facebook too. Trevor Mack says, do you feel Ken Holland is a GM or is a GM that is too friendly to players saying that? I mean, he doesn't leave emotions off the table when it comes to trades. Maybe he won't trade a guy because it's someone he drafted and doesn't want to uproot his family. Maybe he asks more for a player than he is worth. Uh, that's, I mean, that's quintessential Ken Holland, right? He, uh, Darren yeah. Helm is somehow related to him, so Helm gets a massive contract for no reason. He doesn't want to trade people because he says he needs to honor their contracts. That's that's the Ken Holland of of old. He just wants to, to be nice to everyone. Is it the Ken Holland of old, or is it the Mike Illich of old? No, I think... Or is it a little think, bit of both, and then uh, but more Mike? I'm, I'm, that's just the way I'm starting to think lately. Is that it was, it was more ownership that had a hand in things because you know Mike was very engaged, and just the way yeah. that the Tigers have been torn down, really against what Illich wanted to do, and now how the Wings are taking a similar path but in a little bit better way, and the way that Holland's doing it has kind of re-established my faith a little bit. Um, and what he is willing to do to try to make the team better. So it's – I'm on the fence. I, I can see it being a little of both. I, if Holland wanted to do it, I think he could say, hey, we need to trade this guy. There's an opportunity there. We've got someone coming up. And they'd say, okay, but I mean, he, he's, always, he's always been too nice. And yeah. I think that'll stop now because I think Chris Illich is on their ass. Yeah. I mean, so. I think the Tatar trade – was the uh, kicking of the pail right there, right there to get get moving along. So that's where I think things are going to start changing. Yep. Uh, from Sam Toasty on Twitter, how many people are upset about the new app process for tickets? I think it's going to be a nightmare waiting for everyone to get their phone ready and then scanned. So I actually have experience with this ticket process already. I went to the prospect uh, development camp game, mm-hmm. uh, the scrimmage. And no issues whatsoever. I got on. I got my ticket. Everyone already had their phones out waiting in line because everyone lines up before they start scanning. Yeah. So you get in. It's a QR code. They scan it on your phone. You go right Uh in. I had no issues. A lot of the people that have problems with it are old people. I would Um, agree. The old people 
are very resistant to change. Yeah. They want paper tickets. They complain about not having smartphones. You can still get your paper tickets at the box office, mm-hmm. but we are almost one of the last teams to do this electronic ticketing. Yeah, I know the Blue Jackets because I was living down there for a couple of years. Everything you can, they do either or, but a majority were digital. And like the Lions, for instance, I was just at their preseason debacle against the Browns. They're, everything's digital for them. It was pulled it up real quick, scanned it, and too easy. So I, I don't think it'll be really an issue at all unless your phone just doesn't want to load it. Like if you have an iPhone, for instance, if you've got Ticketmaster or StubHub on your phone, save it to your wallet, then all you do is pull it up real quick and boom, you're done. Yeah, it all runs right through the District Detroit app too. I go into the District Detroit Does app, okay. I log into my Ticketmaster from there, yeah, and you just click Red Wings tickets and they're all there. Awesome. It's beautiful. Yep. So I think if you're resistant to it, try it out. You can still, like I said, you can still get paper tickets, but I don't think it's going to be a problem because literally every other team does it. And our final question from Twitter uh, is from Danny Hudson. Uh, what are your predicted lines for next season? So Whew. I think at forward, and it's hard to think of lines because Blashell runs the blender, but at forward, your top line should be probably Mantha, mm-hmm. Larkin, and most likely Nyquist. You think that's going to be your top you line? Think they'll go truly top heavy with it. I don't think they will throw a rookie on the top line. Bertuzzi? Like I don't, no, I don't think so. I think Bert's on your second line. I think okay. your second line is something like a like a Bertuzzi, Zadina, Rasmussen. That's something like your second line. Your third line's your Nielsen, Athanasiu. Uh, Vanek in your bottom line is Helm, Abdelkader, Glendetting. That's your four. That's your four yeah. top I think, lines. I think the fourth line is the most uh, for sure cemented line that we can predict. I agree with the top line. I think Nyquist is kind of a toss up being up there. It makes the most sense because of how he is a playmaker along with Larkin. So it would actually remind me of Z Larkin and uh, Z Nyquist and Tatar line almost or. Nyquist, Zetterberg, and uh, Datsuk of, of old. Um, yep. Moving down, I think I'm going to say that Nielsen and Vanek are separated this season only because that's two guys that can't really move that well. Uh, I think Nielsen's definitely the lock for the number two center spot with uh, Rasmussen on his side and then either Bertuzzi or Nyquist there. I think those two are going to kind of interchange between one and two. And then mm-hmm. – Double A and Vanek for sure on line three with uh, likely Zadina. Um, and we could see really Zadina seeing second line minutes too, if not top line, depending on what they're just, if he goes blender on him just to see what he can do against tougher competition. So that's, that's, uh, we're pretty much on the same page, I would say, with the exception of possibly Nyquist of where he could end up floating around to. And the defense yeah, I is think just my... a fucking crapshoot. I think the defense is where you get a little shaky. Uh, you know it's going to be green on the top pairing mm-hmm. with, I want to say with probably Philip Hronick. You think Hronick Or Dennis Chalowski. If Chalowski showed well. So I'm thinking it's going to be probably green Chalowski or green. And this is where it's so hard. Mm. So, or they're going to put green to Kaiser as your top pairing. I, I Your to start second... the season, I, I'd agree with Green to Kaiser. Okay, so your second 
pairing is going to be Daly and then one of Hironic or Chalowski. Yes. And your third pairing is going to be Cronwall Erickson. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. I mean, that leaves out Nick Jensen, but I think Jensen's traded or benched. Uh, they've got to bring in someone on defense. And I know Blash says it doesn't matter if you're a rookie or a veteran, whoever plays best is going to get the ice time. So you would hope that Erickson is benched, but I don't see that happening. You're going to have, and and it pains me to say it, it's going to be Green to Kaiser, Daly, Chlowski slash Hironic, and Cronwall Erickson. That's going to be your your defense. And like all articles you see online right now, it, we do have the worst defense in the entire league. Oh, hands down. The worst. The only way you can make that less painful is if you have Erickson bumped up and not with Cronwall because those two together – is literally like fucking skating through cement. It is. Oh and, and that's where all the, the goals are going to come from. Yep. And it's just going to be real sad forever. That's <laughs> like, like sadness forever is the name of the Red Wings defense core. Two more years and, and the, the pain goes away. Two more years. Because no one of It's like I'm, ripping a band aid off. Uh, is it a band aid or is it going to be more like 40 year old virgin getting the hairs ripped off his chest? With the wax. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's going to be something, man. It's like jumping through fire, except for you have to stand in it a little bit before you can jump out. Like, that is but truly I, what like, I'm I, afraid of. Cronwall's, yeah, I think this is Cronwall's last year. I think he retires after this year. Yep. Or he's a gets hurt halfway through the season. I yep. can't, God, I can't see them keeping daily or green gets traded at the deadline one of the two I don't, I don't they both have no move though i know green does you can get them to you could have convinced green last season to move i yeah. i think it, it improves next season i'll say that it'll improve next season no i, I totally agree because i mean cronwall's contract falls off you've got jensen's gone most likely no matter what happens whether he's traded early on or or, or not but I mean, Daly's got a full no-trade clause up into oh next year. So no, we only had this. a three-year. So going into this season, I'm on cap friendly again here. Up until ten days prior to the 2018-19 trade deadline is a full no-trade clause. After which, the player can provide the club with a 15-team no-trade list. Yep. So his goes. Yeah. His goes and, modified. And he- yeah, and his contract's not that terrible for what he actually does. Mm-hmm. And Erickson also has, starting this season, a 19-team no-trade list. Does Erickson have a clause that says he's not allowed to be the first player to play hockey on Mars? Because we can do that. <laughs> I think we should make that happen. Ship him out there. We need to get NASA on the phone here in this next one. So, And then Mike Green is a full no-trade clause until February 2020. Yeah. Which we could get him to waive uh, to go to a contender or wherever. Possibly, yeah. But uh, that, yeah. So that completes our mailbag. We went through them kind of quickly, but we're a little tight on time. Uh, Ryan, you got any final thoughts? And if you do, let me know. If not, shout out your Twitter handle for me. Uh, I think my only final thoughts are just looking forward to, for one, I think tomorrow, this is Thursday night, so tomorrow training camp uh, gets fully fully going for the Red Wings up there in Traverse City and we'll officially know the status. We'll hopefully officially know the status of Zetterberg. So 
my eyes are going to be watching that as most likely everyone else, but I'm just excited that the season's almost here. So um, other than that, my Twitter handle is at RDRyan33. Yeah, my final thoughts are I have I have cautious optimism for this coming season. Just excited to see the kids, excited for the new ticket pricing plans that they rolled out. I know there are going to be 100 tickets to each home game that are going to be $20, so that's exciting. There's the some new class. packages. Yeah, there's going to be some new packages coming out where you can get two tickets and a $20 concessions voucher for 70 bucks. So they know they need to get butts in seats, and that'll help get my butt in a seat. Uh-huh. So I'm excited. I'm going to go see kids a couple times, play some hockey. And you can follow me on Twitter at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline podcast on Twitter at Grindline Pod. We are also on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, all those fun listening platforms that all you youngsters love to listen to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so set us a subs- uh, subscribe to our podcasts. Give us a follow on Twitter. Drop us a line if you have any questions. We love talking to people. Especially Greg. Likes uh, to talk but that'll shit. do it for this episode. Uh, everyone have a good night and stay classy, Hockey Town. <laughs>